Dynasty Rookie Drafts are all about playing the hits. Everybody wants the Grand Slam, but you always want to make sure you have a solid, safe floor, especially with those early picks. What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm Max Cascons, joined as always by Mr. Breakout by age 18 or you're dead to me, <laughs> a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing well, Max. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. We all rookie talk today, right? There's no yes, veterans. Sir. If nope. you mention a veteran, the mics are getting shut off and the show's ending. Exactly. We're packing it up. <laughs> all rookie drafts. Um, Love it. We got a great show lined up. Bunch of players. Couple of fun uh, little dichotomies to toss out for some positional stuff that we have going on. Positional battles. Um, but before we dive into all things rookie, uh, Dan, I think you got a little message uh, for the people at home about uh, our brand new presence on the interwebs. Yeah, actually. So now, I mean, what? We're looking at uh, episode 11 here. So we wanted to be able to build a little bit of a repertoire before we started putting ourselves out into the world. And we knew the next kind of thing we needed to do was uh, embrace social media a little bit more than we have. So uh, we're really excited. We actually have uh, teamed up with uh, my brother, your cousin, uh, the as he goes by the DFF Moose, uh, that's uh, my brother Mike, who's uh, been out and just being really active in the Dynasty community, uh, posting a lot of polls, being able to start some good conversations there, uh, which is exactly what we at the Dynasty Dy Dynamic want to do as well. So uh, we've teamed up with him, and he's actually going to be helping uh, us manage our account there, which is now, to call it for the first time, we're going to be at, at Dynasty Dynamic underscore on both Twitter and Instagram. Right now, we're most active on Twitter, so that's where we're going to st start some of these conversations and migrate over to uh, Instagram as things go along. But uh, really would love for people to come and follow us. This is where we're actually going to be able to engage with our, uh, our listeners a little bit more than we ever have been able to before. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, we're stoked to get uh, having some good conversation with you guys. And uh, owe it to the uh, DFF Moose, uh, at DFF Moose, to be able to uh, help us with that uh, relationship there. So uh, go follow us and we can uh, start to know who's actually uh, out there listening to us. Yeah. Big shout out to the moose. Um, we're too lazy to do it. So he wanted to do it for us. You know, he's, he's being a good sport. We'll gladly about take it. him up on it. And uh, I tried to find our account on my Motorola razor, uh, but I had trouble doing it. So <laughs> if you have one of them smartphones at home, just, just pull it out at dynasty dynamic underscore. And uh, you'll be with the, the latest and greatest. Every time we're posting a show, every time we're doing anything. Exactly. That's what we're hoping for, man. All right, buddy. So now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's dive in rookie central. I'm excited. And I've, I know you're excited too. Absolutely. Let's do it, man. So to kick things off today, we've been in the lab. We've been in the Superflex lab, and we have our rankings. Dan, why don't you start us off? Give me your first round Superflex rankings rapid fire right now. All right, let's do it. So at number one, we have Trevor Lawrence. And two, we have Justin Fields. Three, Najee Harris. Four, Jamar Chase. Five, Javante Williams. Six, Travis Etienne. Seven, Rashad Bateman. Eight, Zach Wilson. 9, Kyle Pitts, 10, Terrace Marshall, 11, Devonta Smith, and then rounding it out at 12, Mac Jones. So already this list is a disaster because Kellen Mond did not make an appearance <laughs> anywhere, um, but we'll, we'll blaze over that real quick, and I'm going to rapid fire mine. So I got Lawrence at 1, Fields 2, Harris at 3, ETN at 4, 
Jamar Chase at five, Trey Lance at six, Mac Jones at seven, Zach Wilson at eight, your boy Javante at nine, and then I rounded out with Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, and Terrace Marshall. And when we were putting these rankings together, I didn't think we'd have a ton to talk about within the first couple picks, but we already do because I'm sitting here, I'm trying to sleep at night without putting Travis Etienne at RB1, and you're telling me that he's not even good enough for RB2. So I want to hear it a little bit. Why don't you kick it off and uh, just talk about a little bit of love for Javante Williams, and we'll uh, have a little back and forth and see if we can't sway each other here. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. I love ETN. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him as well. Javante, in my opinion, he just profiles more as a thir- three down back over ETN. Uh, I like the um, measurables that he has. He has 89th percentile agility score, a 93rd percentile in yards per carry. Like you put the ball in his hands, he's going to trudge downfield. Uh, he's a demolition runner and he's really tough to bring down. Actually, he led um, the league in. Uh, forced miss rushing force miss tackles with 76 which is crazy he is just super elusive super hard to bring down and is kind of what you're going to be looking for in the nfl as your lead running back uh and he can catch, catch passes as well it's not like he can't uh he's definitely um less of a pass catcher than etn and harris but i still love that he has that aspect uh he reminds me a lot of chris carson to be honest which is just this bruiser who when you give him the rock He's just going to make it happen. Uh, And I think it's a type of profile that uh, certain NFL teams are going to love. Uh, So those types of things kind of stuck uh, stuck out to me. Uh, Plus, he's got fresher legs than the other two as well. So I know there's differences like certainly uh, in opportunity and the ability to be able to get a little bit more experience before he entered the uh, NFL. But I think he's got what it takes and it puts him just slightly above ETN for me uh, in terms of being a running back that would be best featured in the NFL. I love the Chris Carson comparison. Because he was also, Chris Carson was also relegated to the bench by a better running back at Justice Hill at the time. (laughs) And Javante Williams, Dan, was not even the leading rusher on that team this year. Um, But we don't need to go down that path right now. I want to tell you a little bit about why I'm having such a hard time sleeping at night over, uh, over Travis Etienne's stats. Somebody who, very funnily enough, like, we thought he was going to be small. Everybody was like, oh, what if he measures in under 200 pounds? What are we going to do with him? Comes into the pro day. Measures in at 5'10", 215 pounds, right? So he's kind of established yep. that workhorse size. And he ran a 4'5". So, I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the size. He had above average burst. This is somebody who, going back to 2018, 2019, had back-to-back 1,600. Yes, you heard me. 1,600-yard rushing seasons on his resume. And when you talk about the passing work, we're talking about 2019 and 2020, 37 and 48 receptions respectively this guy is an animal and i compared him in one of our earlier shows i said when i go back and i watch him he reminds me of alvin Kamara. just the vision the balance through contact everything about it um i love etn again i think we're splitting hairs here right like i have javante Mm -hmm. williams as my rb3 they're very close i just think when you're really talking about the three down skill set ETN might be the best in the class. I mean, the numbers show it. He is a prolific rusher and pass catcher. And this was with playing with Trevor Lawrence, who took some of that rushing work away. And it still didn't matter. Like 1,600 rushing yards. Um, 
you know, Kevin Cole, one of the smarter dudes in the industry over at PFF, had a really cool article he did recently, you know, going back all the way to, I think, about 2006, and they were comparing similar prospects, right, from a metrics profile. And these were the names that came yeah. up for, for ETN. You tell me when to stop. Cam Akers, Marshawn Lynch, Charles Sims, and DeMarco Murray, <laughs> DeAndre Swift, Joseph Adai, Dalvin Cook, your boy, and D'Angelo Williams, Matt Forte, and Kenyon Drake. So I have a hard time seeing where Travis Etienne fails. And as I said in the intro, first round, I'm trying to play it safe. I want to make sure I'm hitting sure. the home runs, not shooting for the grand slams. And Etienne to me is just such a solid prospect. Yeah, and I honestly, I can't blame you. I mean, again, you're talking about a guy who profiles as Dalvin Cook. Like, color me excited. I, I'm a big fan of someone who's going to profile like that. Um, I think the couple things that people just kind of wonder about is like, okay, with him not being early to Claire, uh, a couple of the other guys are, he's a little bit older. Are there some concerns around that? I think that's kind of the cloud that you can see people kind of paint a picture where um, they have maybe some concerns there. But I, I love the production. I really do. I just like my running backs to be a little bit more powerful. I think he's a little bit more grace and it's really just going to depend on where he ends up uh, being drafted because I kind of need to see how they're going to use ETN. Uh, and if it's a system that I believe will be able to do so, I could very well see him being inched up a little bit, but from the pro profile perspective right now, I'm going to stick with my boy Javante and we'll see what happens post-draft. Yep. I mean, that's fine. We're recording this. It is April 11th. All of this stuff is pre-draft and subject to change, right? We're going exactly. just by the college profile stuff. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, just to kind of help, help the Javante argument, like the 74, 76 force missed tackles, like it's, I think it's the most in PFF's charting history, not just in college very football well last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, two guys that profile as workhorses, I'll be very interested to see where they both land. Um, and who knows that could, that could make our argument for us, right. Where they wind up on the teams. Uh, but right now, like I said, I'm, I'm even toying with putting ETN at one, uh, right now I have Najee Harris there. We'll save him for another show, but exactly. It, there's definitely an argument to be made for both of these guys. Totally agree. So let's flip it and look at some, some wide receivers, right? And uh, I want to quickly touch on Jamar Chase. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on him because he's Jamar Chase and he's amazing. Exactly. This is a guy that despite opting out of, uh, of the last season is already still mocked as a top 10 NFL draft pick. And, and for good reason, prolific production at LSU um, over 1700 yards off the top of my head in his sophomore season and comes into the pro day and absolutely blazes running a sub 4440. He's six feet. 201 pounds, ridiculous burst, crazy agility, has the breakout, has the monster sophomore season. I think that's all we need to say about Jamar Chase. He's a stud. Feel free to take him wherever you want to in your rookie drafts. And uh, But he's, he's not the reason we're here, right? We want to talk about somebody who might have had one of the hardest paths to production I remember in quite some time, and that is Dan's guy, Terrace Marshall. Yeah. And I think you, you and I are both pretty uh, high on Terrace Marshall as well. So it's, it, as a collective podcast, I think he's someone that we're really excited about. Um, but I have him a, a little bit higher uh, currently. And let me tell you why. As Max said, he has been just flying under the radar because of some larger names that we have seen him playing on a team with, right? He was playing uh, with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase uh, and CEH. 
and he broke out at age 19 while competing with those guys. That's insane. And CEH, I mean, we know he was a, a pass catching running back, so he's stealing some receptions along the way. It's crazy to see that he's been able to be that productive while still having that type of competition on the field. What I love about him is he's alpha size, right? He's 6'2", 205 uh, pounds. Like he's definitely a, got a good stature for someone that you know can uh, rise to being the wide receiver one on a team. Uh, he ran a 4.45, 4, which is 85th percentile speed score. And he had a 92, uh, 92nd percentile dominator score. Stellar across the board to be able to put up those types of numbers while having that type of competition there. But for some reason, he kind of starts to fall down people's draft boards because he's not Jamar Chase. And I don't think we should be penalizing him for not being Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is insane. As you just started to list off, he's his own type of breed there. But he's still been able to be super productive uh, and make opportunities for himself uh, that I really don't think you see any of those other guys who had no competition were even able to kind of come close to what he's able to be as a dynamic playmaker on the field. So you start to take a look at it and just I kept inching him up my board as it went along because I just kept either between watching the games and just seeing what he's capable of uh, or just looking at these stats that you have there. I can't penalize the guy for not being Jamar Chase. He isn't Jamar Chase, but he's going to be so fun to watch in the NFL. And I think he's being really overlooked because of that. So Max, what are your, what are your general thoughts on, on Terrace? I, I think you said it, man. Um, he profiles as an alpha and you, you just look at, I mean, what if Jamar Chase wasn't there? I mean, we got that question answered this year, 2020 yeah. in just seven games, he's putting up 700 receiving yards. So, so to make the math easy, Let's just double that. That's a 1,400-yard season sans Jamar Chase, right? So we know that when this guy's on the field and he's not competing with only Justin Jefferson, who might have just had the greatest rookie wide receiver of our lifetime. Exactly. And Jamar Chase, uh, like some people think he's one of the best prospects since the, you know, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones type of guys coming into the league. This, this is what he can do. This is what he can do in the SEC. You know, we talk about that conference and producing in that conference. Um the guy's a stud, you know, one of uh, a couple of our favorite dynasty analysts, you know, talk about teammate score all the time. Right. And it's just yep. like, you have to put this stuff into context when you're competing with those guys, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, that 2019 season had 55 receptions. So there's only, there's only so much love to go around. And I think the Terrace Marshall's being a little slept on, you know, I haven't tracked, you know, we love to look at sleeper ADP, which is kind of all over the exactly. place right now. But I don't think I've seen Terrace Marshall, you know, projected in the first round. And I think we both have him there for good reason. Like he is a stud yeah. and he's capable of stepping right in and being that X receiver for, you know, one of these teams. A hundred percent. And that's kind of why I like him too, is he was able to be that productive. If he gets drafted in the NFL and he isn't immediately relegated to, or um, opportunity for a wide receiver one, you can see he clearly can be. Uh, very productive while being the wide receiver two, three, whatever on the team. So I think he's going to have amazing return. And if he does find himself on a team that is in need of a wide receiver one, you see this quick opportunity for him to be able to rise to that occasion. So I just think regardless, he's going to be so valuable in fantasy and could really uh, exceed his current valuation if he lands on a team that really needs that wide receiver help. Yeah, so I think he has a really safe floor as well as a high ceiling. My exactly. problem is the guy that I have ranked above him, I think has an even higher ceiling. And we've mentioned him before. You know, we talked about him a couple shows back, but Rondell Moore, 
my goodness. We knew he was athletic. We knew he is dynamic. I mean, we are the dynasty dynamic for a reason. We love dynamic exactly. players. We love dynamic players. And Rondell Moore is the poster child for that. I mean, he came in, you know, true freshman season. Again, I won't spend too much time on this because we talked about it before. 1,200 receiving yards, 213 rushing yards, and 744 yards in the return game. This guy comes into the pro day, runs a 437, 96th percentile burst, and 94th percentile agility. The only problem is he measured in at 5'7", 180, right? And a lot of people are saying this is a death sentence. I'm just, I'm not there, man. I think that sometimes the NFL gets these guys wrong, right? People are talking about him falling out of the second round, like just not getting the draft capital. I think some team out there is going to be smart enough to realize that you put the ball in this guy's hands and all he does is make plays. Um, You know, getting back to PFF, you know, which we reference all the time, pro football focus charting broken tackles. He has the most broken tackles for a wide receiver in a single season in the history of the power five conference since, (laughs) since PFF has been doing this pretty good. Um, I currently have him at wide receiver three above Terrace Marshall. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here, right? I I talked about, you know, how you want to play it safe. You want to make sure you invest in these solid profiles. I think the only red mark on this profile is the size, right? We haven't seen guys that are this small produce in the NFL. And right now I'm just willing back of the first round. I'm willing to shoot for that upside because I think, if, if he can do what we saw him do, even even somewhat of what we saw him do his freshman season at Purdue, he's going to be an absolute problem at the NFL level. Yeah, you and I were texting each other back and forth being like, man, he's just, he's fun, right? He's just someone that you want to root for. He's clearly just a dynamic playmaker. Um, and you have to be able to turn a blind eye on like the, the size in general uh, and just knowing what he's been able to do at his size, you know, like you, you can't ding him for it. He's making something out of nothing in a lot of those regards. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see him in the NFL. Uh, I think you're right. I, when you're talking about home run potential, I think he carries a little bit more risk, but the upside is huge. So that's why I'm more than willing to, as you're saying, in the back of the first late first uh, be able to, pick him up and just hope that you really see that uh, ceiling actualized. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because people are like, well, oh, we thought he was five, nine. It's like, Oh my God, he's already one of these shorter receivers. You know, what's the difference between five, yeah. seven, five, eight, five, nine. I know it matters, but like I said, he's a special athlete. These guys only come around every once in a while. And I mean, people are talking, was it, who was it? Tutu Atwell measured in at like 155 pounds or something like that. Yes. I mean, (laughs) at least, at least Rondell Moore's 180, right? I really think um, you watch him play so physical. I just, I think if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. And, and speaking of staying healthy, let's talk about another one of your favorite wide receivers uh dan's wide receiver six at the moment let's talk a little bit about tylen wallace yes let's talk about my boy tylen wallace here so as uh, max said he's my wide receiver six currently uh out of he's a wide receiver out of oklahoma state and the boy suffered some injuries which really did set back his career a little bit uh, he suffered an acl tear in 2019 following his awesome breakout campaign in 2018 and that unfortunately cost him an early declare, right? So you and I, I mean, we talk about, we really do like when our players, especially wide receivers are early declares. Um, but so he ended up going back to school to be able to really make sure that he could make a good name for himself. Um, and he's 
got a great profile in my opinion. He has a uh, 19.3 breakout age, which is 84th percentile, uh, 47.1 dominator score, which is 93rd percentile, and then a 29.3% target share, which is 83rd percentile. So those metrics across the board, I, I hold in high regard. And he's north of the uh, 80th percentile across the board there, which is really nice to see. Um, the dude is explosive. So there's some things that really don't fully translate to the metrics as well. In my opinion, he's probably the best context contested catch guy in this class outside of Chase, who we've said is just otherworldly in a tier of his own (laughs) exactly in a tier of his own and then uh a tight end pits like those are the two guys that are are pretty well known for being a contested catch uh i believe you're going to pick someone else uh, out of this bunch that's really good at it it's tylen wallace he is just a physical player who is able to make uh even smaller opportunities big opportunities with just really making sure that a 50 50 ball becomes a 80 20 ball Uh, and the other thing about is he's productive um, he has averaged over a hundred yards per game in both 2018 and 2019. Uh, and even coming back after the ACL in 2020 was just shy of a hundred yards per game as well. And that's actually debatable because some people say he actually played nine games. Others say that he played 10 regardless, super productive. Like I don't think, uh, over the past few classes, you've seen anyone be able to have that type of consistent production as a wide receiver, which is awesome. Um, the only thing about it is from his 40 yard perspective, he was actually rumored to be able to run a four, three, nine, uh, which was timed at, uh, Exos. You look at, uh, his pro day and he was more towards a, a four, five, uh, which is still not terrible by any means, but certainly something that I would like to see that be a little quicker. We'll see if anything happens a little different at the combine, but it was something that kind of hopped out as a little bit of a red flag that I'm hoping gets, uh, uh, corrected over there. But the big thing I think about Tylen is I, he's going to be going a lot later, in my opinion, than the wide receiver six. So I believe you're getting a really great value at current ADP based on this guy. Kind of similar to uh, Brian Edwards, uh, a guy who got hurt, wasn't able to test in certain areas, had a few injuries in his college career. Uh, and then when the Raiders picked him up, I think you and I both felt like, man, they got a steal when Brian Edwards uh, for how far he kind of fell down. I'm hoping that Thailand doesn't fall too fall, uh, far down in the NFL draft so he still gets some decent draft capital. But regardless of who takes him, I think they're getting a steal because the dude is uh, very much an alpha, uh, in my opinion. And I'm really excited to see what he's able to do if a team comes in and is able to put him to use like that. Yeah, I don't really have a ton to add to that. I mean, I thought you did such a great job really kind of detailing his career and the ups and downs he's had. Um, I'm really just going to pull the curtain back uh, on the show for a second and say that we were going over the show notes and uh, your, your headline for some of his metrics was decent breakout age, 19.3. And I texted you and I'm just like, I love how that's decent to you. And Dan, basically exactly. we're a bit of the snobs lines. around here. Yeah. T- texted me back something along the lines of, if you don't break out before age 19, you don't deserve to be in the NFL. Um, so breakout age snob over here, so but yeah, Thailand is a fun player, man. It'll be very interesting to see, where his ADP winds up shaking out in these rookie drafts, right? One of those people that yeah. probably right now is is going mid-second round in the Superflex formats and could absolutely smash that ADP. Like, has the talent, had that monster sophomore season, right? Just needs to make sure he's healthy and, you know, yeah. kind of get his career back on track going to the NFL. Exactly right. So I'm excited to see the guy play. And uh, as you said, I think if you are um, drafting now, I think you're getting him at a great ADP uh, and we'll see what happens post-draft. Yeah. 
So we've, we've gone over the running backs. We've gone over the wide receivers. And this is the part of the show where there's a man that I need justice for, Dan. There's a man, and I feel like I've just seen so much slander and libel about this guy all over the internet. People talking about him as a fourth rounder. You can go to my Twitter feed. I'm trying to, I'm trying to set the <laughs> record straight. Absolutely. I, I want to talk about Justin Fields. And I can't comprehend all the hate out there right now because Justin Fields is my QB two, number number two overall player if you're drafting in Superflex, and he's the same for you. Yep. So we're we're lockstep on this guy. Absolutely. Ridiculous, ridiculous speed. Right, goes and blazes at his pro day, runs a four five one, and this is somebody who coming out of Ohio State posted a ninety six percentile college QBR. So absolutely monster producer. But Dan, I keep hearing I keep hearing that he can't get past his first read, right? And that's what I keep hearing too, Max. Yeah, for some weird reason. That seems to be the critique. Up, oh, Justin Fields, he's going to go in the twelfth round because he can't get past his first read. Oh, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, Dan. I got some stats for you because Pro Football Focus, who we should really just get them to sponsor the show at this point because we keep talking about Pro Football it's true. Focus. Um, Justin Fields was their highest graded passer since twenty nineteen. So taking into account those two seasons on throws after the first read so i don't know who these people narrating their television sets to you at home are that are saying justin fields can't get past his first read the guy can play i hate this hate i watched him drag his team this year to a national championship playing with half his ribs broken and he comes back he doesn't love football dan he doesn't love football right he, yes exactly except oh he only missed that one snap comes back on the field in that game against Clemson and immediately tosses a touchdown pass, giving Ohio State the 28 to 14 lead. Help me understand why people are sleeping on Justin Fields. I mean, I, I think you and I are both want to ask that question, right? Because I can't tell you. It's it's especially with you the story that you're just telling there. There's an aspect of the the QB situation which is just being clutch, right? And the dude is clutch. Being able to, it's it's immeasurable. It's something that you just got to watch those types of games and see uh, when he's willing to put the team on his back, and he did when he put the team on his ribs. Yeah, <laughs> which exactly. Is basically, the same thing. Um, he's so much fun, man. I, I know some people have their issues with uh, Ohio State QBs and stuff in general, um, but I I can't see any argument where he is not the the QB two. Uh, and sometimes even I find myself tempted to push him to QB one, but I, I can't uh, put him above Trevor Lawrence. He's just he's a great, well rounded athlete uh, that I think is just going to fit perfectly into the NFL. Um, more than some of these other kind of QB three and beyond types of guys, in my opinion. But there's actually some guy who's sitting at QB three for you uh, that I actually do want to be able to touch on. So tell me a little bit about Mr. Trey Lance. That is a phenomenal transition. And unfortunately, I have to nullify it because I want to say one more point, Dan. One more point on Justin oh, Fields before we go let's to hear Trey it. Lance. I love to credit sources whenever I can. And I honestly can't remember where I read this. But when you have this type of elite speed and rushing profile and mobility like Justin Fields has, it simplifies defenses at the NFL level because they have to account for that on every single play. And so I, with the critiques of, you know, Oh, he can't get past his first read. Oh, he doesn't love football. Like 
this guy is going to surprise at the NFL level. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes right out and starts really making a team that takes him relevant again, right? If they're in need at the quarterback position. Totally agree. So back to Trey Lance. I'm sorry I ruined your awful transition because that was <laughs> no. phenomenal. Phenomenal radio work there. But uh, actually, Trey Lance comes in at number three on that aforementioned uh, PFF list. So another guy who very mobile um, can clearly make plays despite you know going to the field after his first read. Um, he is, I think, the hardest quarterback to rank in the Superflex formats right now. You see him kind of all over the place, but... This is somebody that came in, measured in at 6'4", 225 pounds, has the size, and really, it's crazy because we just didn't get to see. We had that one game sample size this year. So it's it's really hard to talk about Trey Lance in 2020, but let's rewind to 2019 real quick, where Trey Lance, 2,800 passing yards, 28 TDs, and zero, you heard me, zero interceptions. Added to that, 1,100 rushing yards, and an additional 14 TDs on the ground. This kid has the strongest arm in the draft, and this is a great QB draft, strongest arm in the draft, yeah. and he has the physical tools to be incredibly successful at the NFL level. And I've, I've really struggled where to put him. I've moved him up and down as we've iterated over these rankings, but I thought about it, and I remember Lamar Jackson. I remember Lamar Jackson in college in those early days, and I watched him improve every single year as a passer. And I love these metrics when they're predictive. You know, we love breakout age. We love looking at college production profiles. The quarterback position is just so hard, so hard to pinpoint. And we constantly forget that these guys get better, right? But yep. the one thing you can improve is being 6'4", 225 with that type of mobility. So, so true. Right now... I, you know, I have Trey Lance. He's my QB three. He's my number six overall player in Superflex rookie drafts. And I just, the, the upside is so tantalizing. He could become such a complete player and such a nightmare for defenses to deal with that that's, that's just where I have to put him. That's just where he's going. And it's fair. And honestly, I think it's anyone that's in the QB three to five range in this draft, I'm having an equally hard time figuring out how I want to rank them. And I, I like this case because I actually do think post this uh, conversation, I might actually end up moving them up a little bit. Um, the only thing that's kind of, it's more scheme dependent for me, I suppose, because the one thing I've heard is that he's being seen as more of a project. Uh, QB. So with that in mind, I have a feeling if that does end up happening where he's drafted behind an already starting quarterback, you're going to see his ADP fall. And if that does happen, it doesn't mean we should be grading him any less. It hopefully just means he's going to become more of a value for you in your super flex or one QB uh, rookie drafts because people aren't willing to wait on him. <clears throat> Jalen Hurts, like myself. And then all of a sudden, later on, he's going to become the starter uh, and be an a absolute uh, force to be reckoned with. So it's going to be very interesting to see what people's thoughts are in post-draft because if he does land himself into a starting position or straight up, um, then he's going to be very, very fun to be able to rank uh, after the draft because I think he's going to creep up my draft board big time. I love that point. I mean, Josh Allen was labeled the project, right? And we both know I've had my ups and downs with Josh Allen on this show. For, for sure, exactly. We've apologized. I think it is on uh, on record here. L Lamar Jackson was also labeled the project. And this is actually a true story, Dan. I'm not even sure if you know this. So 
um, going into that season, Lamar Jackson's rookie season, I convinced my friends to do a startup with me because I missed out on him in a rookie draft and I didn't have the draft capital to get him in my other leagues. And I was like, I need a startup <laughs> because that's the only way I'm going to get Lamar Jackson. Get <laughs> and I need a team with Lamar Jackson. So oh, that's hundred percent a true story. Um, but it's perfect. I mean, I have no problem. Everybody wants the QBs to hit right away. I have no problem. I don't think he's going to wind up in that situation based on where you're seeing him mocked right now. Right. I mean, he For is sure. like some people are talking him number two, three overall pick. Um, yep. I think he's going to wind up in that starting position. And I really think he has the tools to succeed. Um, so for me, like I said, number six overall, QB three, give me all the Trey Lance, especially if he's slipping in drafts. Oh, man. I think for the, sure. I think the ceiling is just massive. Where uh, where would you want to see him? If you could pick a landing spot, a dream landing spot for Trey Lance, where would you like to see him uh, uh, for the NFL draft? Oh, that is a fantastic question. I would really love to see him with Kyle Shanahan. I really I'd like... I'd be too. All right. You and I are on the same page with the dream location. If he could be with Kyle Shanahan, I think you've, you're going to unlock every best trait about him. Yep. Yep. I mean, just great x's and o's guys you know one of the few one of the few head coaches in the nfl that i really think makes a difference schematically for an offense and uh selfishly you know trey lance to the niners ship jimmy g back to new england and all of a sudden hey we got a hey uh, look at that everyone's happy fun little qb room in new england for us to watch this season but (laughs) um so that's awesome man i i love the trey lance talk because I'm, i'm glad to hear you feel the same way because i've had such a hard time ranking him figuring out exactly where he falls but we've spent a lot of time today talking about really i mean a lot of top 12 guys some top you know 16 guys i want to close the show out today by talking about right now adps can be a little bit all over the place but i want your favorite player projected to go outside the first two rookie or outside the first two rounds right now in rookie drafts sure yeah i'm actually gonna um, kind of tee it up with as you were talking at the beginning um in your rookie drafts you really don't want to miss you want to have someone who's safe uh and able to deliver immediately in value at least in the first round to first half of the second round right like you really don't want to have a big swing and a miss because just the graph draft capital there is just so expensive once you start getting into this area, I kind of flip it where if you're in the third round, I'm shooting for ultimate upside, right? I don't want a perennial wide receiver three. I want to be able to find a guy who has the potential to return high-end wide receiver two to wide receiver one at the cost of a wide receiver three or four, right? And so there's one guy that kind of fits that criteria for me, and it is Seth Williams, who's a wide receiver out of Auburn. Um Right off the bat, you're talking about an alpha size. Again, 6'3", 211 pounds. Uh, That type of stature allows and unlocks for a higher ceiling, right? Because he at least has the ability to be utilized like that. So he's a prototypical X receiver build, in my opinion. Um, He had a solid freshman breakout at 19.4, which is 81st percentile. Um, he had modest college production. I don't think it's the thing that you kind of call out the most, but he also didn't have the best QB play. So it's also not something I immediately uh, ding him for. What I do love is just his aggressive play style. Uh, he has super good um, ball awareness in general and just being able to catch like over the shoulder passes, that type of stuff, uh, and just contested catch play in general as well. As you can see, I kind of like that ability in some of my wide receivers, just like I mentioned with Tyler Wallace, because uh, I think it can translate into just a more physical NFL. Um, and he's a early declare uh, as well. So I think it's just another thing that does help his case. 
Um, so the big thing that I'm just kind of curious about is his draft capital because he is kind of someone that's in the uh, the lower tiers there. I'm I, I do feel pretty confident we're going to see uh, like round three type of uh, draft capital for him. And if that's the case, I mean, I am going to be picking him up everywhere in the third round of rookie drafts just because it, I just think he does have that ability to be unlocked. Uh, at a level um, more than what he's being drafted as right now, which if I'm going to take a big swing, I want it to be a home run. And I think Seth Williams, if you bring him onto your team, uh, is going to be someone that's going to return value for you, no problem. Yeah, so that that round three NFL draft capital is an important line, right? Um, It's funny because you don't necessarily think of the difference between round three and round four as big, but like those guys that go after day two, like some of them get cut coming out of camp. Right. So exactly. the draft capital is key there. Um, funny little synergy between the guy I want to talk about, because right now he's projected to be that late third round. Somebody that I think could be a huge value going in the you know mid late third of rookie drafts right now is is Nico Collins. And yeah. Nico Collins fits a profile that you would love. He's six four, two 215 pounds and ran a four five flat. So the dude is an athlete. Um, we know that I'm a little bit of an athleticism snob, so I love to see these <laughs> size speed freaks at wide receiver. Um, another, you know, I'm surprised that you think either of these guys are allowed to play in the NFL because they both did break out at age 19, Dan. So they're not, this the, is true. Uh, not the phenom 18 year olds that you're used <laughs> to, but if they're going to be in the third round, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. Yeah. So this is somebody that, um, that, you know, played at Michigan and, you know, this isn't your, this isn't your father's Michigan, man. Since the Harbaugh family took this operation over, it is, it is not been, you know, one of the stellar schools that, uh, that we might've grown up with. So sure. Banished to, you know, one of the lesser performing offenses in college football. Um, this is somebody that actually competed with Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think was a favorite kind of fit this similar type of conversation last year. You know, who are you looking at in the third or fourth round that's got the size, got the speed, athleticism to make a difference and have that upside? Um, The crazy thing with Nico Collins is, you know, 2019 was the last time we saw him on the field. So opted out of 2020. To me, somebody who's just being a little bit forgotten about, um, but has the production, you know, competed with another drafted NFL pass catcher. And, you know, again, just playing on that Michigan offense, not exactly ideal. So somebody I think that, you know, if you can grab them in the mid third, late third, maybe even early fourth, who knows how some of these late things shake out. Somebody with yeah. just massive profile or massive upside in his profile. I love it. And you're not going to be having to make a big investment on either of these guys, right? That's the whole point is they've they've dropped for one reason or the other. Um, but there's so much potential in both of these guys that I think they're easily worth uh, taking the swing on. All right, Dan. Awesome rookie talk, as always. Um, next time people hear our voices, you know, the draft is only a couple weeks away. So the next time people hear our voices, we're going to have the draft capital. We're going to know the landing spots. And uh, we got a guest queued up for the show, too. We got the Dynasty Moose. Yes. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Yep. So he uh, he will go he will go from throwing out uh, trade scenarios online and Twitter polls to uh, maybe I'll have to craft some hardball questions for him to come on the show. It, uh, yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's crank the heat, put him under the uh, under the hot seat for a little bit. So looking forward to it, man. Like I said, draft is so close. You can taste it. Uh, but let's get out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in.